Hello there, I'm Monica Reinagle, and you are listening to the 600th episode of the Nutrition Diva podcast. Welcome. And today, for this special milestone podcast, I'm going to be revisiting a topic that I've discussed many times over the last 12 years trans fats. A lot has changed about the role that trans fats play in our food supply over the last 12 years. So today I'm going to update you with the latest information. Now, if you're not sure exactly what a trans fat is, you're not alone, but you've probably gotten the general idea that trans fats, whatever they are, are bad for you. Well, in 2015, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration caught up with you. They decided that the man-made trans fats found in partially hydrogenated vegetable oils were unsafe for human consumption, and they gave food manufacturers three years to eliminate them from their products. As of 2018, partially hydrogenated vegetable oils are no longer allowed in U.S. food products. Long before that official ban was announced, however, trans fats had gotten a pretty bad reputation, and manufacturers were already moving to get the trans fats out of their products, or at least make it look as if they had. But have you ever wondered what they've replaced them with? Well, we're going to take a closer look at trans fats, what they are, where you will find them, why you're supposed to be avoiding them, and what the alternatives are. So first, What exactly is a trans fat? I don't want to spend too much time on the chemistry, even though it is really kind of interesting. Suffice it to say that a trans fat is an unsaturated fat that has acquired all of the bad habits of a saturated fat and adopted a few new ones just for spite. Like saturated fats, trans fats raise your LDL or your bad cholesterol levels. And then to make matters worse, they also tend to lower your HDL or your good cholesterol levels. Plus, trans fat molecules are harder for the body's enzymes to take apart. So they're more prone to ride around in your arteries, just looking for trouble to get into. Because of all of this, experts now consider trans fat to be a bigger factor in heart disease risk than saturated fat. And although formal charges have yet to be filed, trans fat is also being eyed for various other crimes, including acting as an accomplice in the development of Alzheimer's, cancer, diabetes, and infertility. Now, it may surprise you to learn that not all trans fats are man-made. Dairy products and some meats contain small amounts of naturally occurring trans fats, but these are not the ones that we are concerned about. First of all, they just don't add up to very much in your diet. And secondly, there's research to show that these natural trans fats aren't as dangerous as the man-made ones. Nor do you need to worry about accidentally creating trans fats in your own kitchen by cooking with unsaturated oils. Although it is true that heating oils can cause some of those fat molecules to change into a trans configuration, it takes a lot more heat and pressure than you are likely to be employing while you're making dinner. So the trans fats that we are primarily concerned with are not the naturally occurring ones, but the ones in partially hydrogenated vegetable oils. And these are made by adding hydrogen to a polyunsaturated vegetable oil, such as soybean oil or cottonseed oil. The hydrogen molecules bond to or saturate some of the carbon molecules in the oil. 
The hydrogenation process, which really caught on in the 1960s, transforms liquid oils like corn or soybean into solid fats like shortening. And boy, it seemed like a great idea at the time. Hydrogenated vegetable oils are more stable than liquid oils, and that extends the shelf life of products made with them. Solid fats produce a better texture in baked goods and snacks. And hydrogenated oils are way cheaper than butter, and they're lower in saturated fats. So pretty soon, hydrogenated oils were in everything. Of course, then we realized that trans fats were even worse for you than the saturated fats that they had replaced. Oops. Now, you will still see partially hydrogenated oils in products that are imported from other countries, but U.S. food manufacturers are no longer allowed to use them. The question is, what are they using instead? Well, many of them are using a blend of liquid vegetable oil and palm oil. Like hydrogenated oils, palm oil is solid at room temperature, so it makes products more shelf-stable, and it provides that crisp texture that we've come to know and love. It's also relatively cheap, and it contains no trans fat. It is high in saturated fat, however. Another alternative that's become more widespread since the trans fat ban is interesterified fat. Interesterification is a chemical process which converts liquid oils to solid fats by artificially rearranging the shape of the molecules. Now, haven't we been here before? Oh yes, in fact, we have. Although interesterified fats contain no trans fats, I'm not at all convinced that this is an improvement. Very little is known about the safety or the health effects of interesterified fats, but the few small studies that we do have are not reassuring. Interesterified fats appear to have the same doubly negative effect on cholesterol levels as trans fats. And then to add insult to injury, they also may increase blood sugar levels. So far, their use in food manufacturing is largely unregulated. And as their use increases, public health researchers are calling for more research into them. In the meantime, it might be prudent to avoid foods made with interesterified fats, but this turns out to be easier said than done. Unfortunately, manufacturers are encouraged, but not required, to label interesterified fats in the ingredient list. And as a result, they may be listed as vegetable oils, or fully hydrogenated oils, or palm oil, or palm kernel oil, or high stearate or stearic-rich fats. The type of packaged foods that are most likely to contain these interesterified fats include baked goods, crackers, cookies, icings, biscuit and biscuit mixes, microwave popcorn, and non-dairy replacements for things like butter and cheese. Now, packaged foods that are made only with butter, coconut oil, olive oil, or other specifically identified oils are probably a safer bet. And of course, safest of all would be homemade treats where you control the ingredients. There is a transcript of today's show along with links to the research that I reviewed. It's on our website at quickanddirtytips.com where you can also browse the entire Nutrition Diva archives. 
And if you haven't already, you can discover some of the other great expert hosted podcasts in the Quick and Dirty Tips podcast network. These are some of the smartest folks and the best communicators that you will find in the areas of science, health, education, and personal development. These are well worth your time. So I invite you to check those out. And if you still have room for one more new podcast in your life, I hope you'll also check out my new podcast. It's not part of the QDT network, but it does also feature QDT's own Get Fit Guy, Brock Armstrong. And it's called the Change Academy, and it's all about creating lasting behavior change. You'll find that and all of the QDT podcasts wherever you listen. The Nutrition Diva Show is written by me. It's edited by Karen Hertzberg, produced by Nathan Sems, and our wonderful team at Macmillan Audio also includes Morgan Ratner, Michelle Margulis, Emily Miller, and our director, Kathy Doyle. Thanks so much for listening. I'll see you next week. Have a great one.